Hello, everyone, and welcome to the North American Irish Coaches Show. Today, we have Larry Mahoney on the show. Larry is a football educator, uh, just wrote a book, uh, has been a coach on the men's and women's side, and has a lot of experience uh, throughout the years uh, within, within the game. So, Larry, welcome to the show. How's everything there? Good, and good. We've had a little bit of decent weather here at last. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. It's good good to hear. We're seeing all the pictures. It's, it's great to come out of out of lockdown and, and get a bit of get a bit of good yeah, weather. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, These are starting to look a little bit brighter. That's it. It's great, great stuff. So Larry, listen, um, tell us, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Go back to the start, like a bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, um, and, and take us back to, to the start of everything for yourself in football. Well, I, I'm a Dunleary man and uh, we, we, I, and I started as a schoolboy player. I would have started with St. Joseph's which I'm sure a lot of people, well, most people in Ireland certainly would have heard of, would have been one of the major, um, well, is now one of the major schoolboy clubs in the country. So I played schoolboy football with St. Joseph's. I ended up then on a very, very good team. We had a really, really good team. Uh, I ended up being captain at schoolboy international level. I ended up then, of course, going across the water trials. I went along that path. Now, unfortunately, as a player, I never really made it. So my story is, they say that the guys who nearly made it make the best coaches. So that's my story, and I'm, I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's my story too, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a familiar story in coaching. <laughs> it is. Uh, so St. Joseph's, you grew up with uh, playing with St. Joseph's. Who else did you play for along the way or... Um, what was kind of the other clubs that influenced? Well, I, I would have tried my hand with really everyone. I, I think every every national league club in 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 Ireland, I would have I would have uh, played with. Well, not in Ireland, sorry, in Dublin. I started. I started. I went from St Joseph's. I went to Bowes. I had a, a little bit of a spell at Rovers. I played with Home Farm. It, I, I probably spent my longest time at Dundalk, but. I, like I said, I, I didn't make it. I never really got into the first team. Again, the story that I have ended, I, I was a skillful player at a time when skillful players weren't in fashion. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that's my story and I'm, and I'm sticking to it. I, I like a man that sticks to a story. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's always good. Um, so, Larry, coaching journey, it's, it's a fascinating uh, topic these days, especially here in, in North America. You get a lot of coaches going to do UEFA licenses, um, you know, and, and going abroad. So tell us, tell us about um, your coaching journey. Uh, when did you start coaching um, and, and, and why? Obviously, we know that you, you didn't make it as a player, but do you remember when you started and, and give us a bit of background on your journey into being a coach? Yeah, it's funny. And I'm one of those people who believe that you're actually born with the coaching gene. When we were in St. Joseph's, it, there was a custom in the club at that time that when you when you actually hit under 13 level, that you will go and coach in the mini league. It was called to say, we would never be, uh, or no one at that time would be pretentious enough to call it an academy then, but the equivalent of the, of the club's academy then. So you went back and you walked in, in what was called the Saturday morning league. So I literally started coaching when I was 13. And, and I always continued to even all the time I was playing, I was always doing something. I was coaching one of the one of the younger teams in the club, or I, I was working with kids. Even on the I, at, at times I was working with my neighbors' kids on the streets, believe it or believe it or not, you know. 
So I went there and I did, and I, I wanted, as every young coach does with the ambition, I went and I, I, I started to take the coaching courses at a young age. I, you know, like a lot of coaches, I, I wanted to get through the badges as quickly as I could. I eventually ended up on, on, the, um, on the FAI, on the, on the staff with the association taking coaching courses. Um, at the same time, I was working in the National League. I worked with Bray. I worked with Shamrock Rovers. I worked with Roddy United. I, I ended up working with Atlone. I worked in the Women's National League as well. And I, I was actually, I was the instructor. <laughs> the big claim to fame is that I was the instructor on the FOSS course from which Roy Keane went from our FOSS course over to Nottingham Forest. So Roy was with us on that course. So I'm sort of a walking cliche because I've worked, I've literally worked at every level in the game in Ireland. I've worked from the National League all the way down to working with six-year-olds and every single level in between, including, including amateur, the amateur game as well. Great stuff. Larry, take us back to your first coaching course to obviously your last coaching course. Uh, talk us through how coaching education has kind of changed in Ireland um, oh, over the years. Just, there's just no comparison now, and there's just no comparison. I, I was lucky when, when we worked with the, when I worked with the FAI, I was lucky to be there at a time when we were starting to, to align with the other associations through the National Coaching and Training Centre, which yeah. is now Coaching Ireland. So uh, I was there during the process of a European, what, what they call at the time, the European A licence being established. Right. So that if you had an A licence here, it would be the equivalent of an A licence in England, or it would be the equivalent of an A licence in, in any other country in Europe. So we were there, and I was there at a time when we had a huge amount of catching up to do in terms of the theory side, the scientific side of the game, all the other, all the sports sciences, especially though planning and putting stuff down on paper, because up to that, we were meeting with these academic guys and we literally had nothing on paper. So I, I was lucky enough to be there at that time when we sort of changed from being purely football and nothing else going on in the coaching courses to to the to the situation where we have now where you know everything is about computers everything is about uh, presentations uh, powerpoint presentations and match analysis and stuff like that but you, the um I, I still think the core is still the same that coaches must learn to get out on the field they must learn to observe they must learn to demonstrate and and they must learn to know when and where they need to work with the with the players that they're working with. Yeah, it's it's great to see the uh, the FAI course courses held in such regard. You know, you meet so many people on your travels now that have been to to the to the to Ireland to do the courses. So it's 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 great to see that they they've evolved so much um, over the years. Um, and may they continue to evolve. I, I think they'll they'll continue to get better. I, I, I don't know whether you got the message, the subliminal message there. And uh, to be honest, from from what I know now, it's a while since I worked for the FAI. From what I see, right, they seem to have gone maybe a little bit too far on on, on the on the theory side now and yeah. on the sports science side. I, I, I talk to people who do B licenses and A licenses now, and the amount of work off the field that they do seems to me now to be disproportionate to the amount of time that they that they do on the field 
Now, uh, I, I, will, I, will, I will say that I, I'm, this is information I'm getting secondhand. I'm obviously not seeing the coaching courses now. Yeah. But I, this, is, this is what I'm hearing that it seems to have gone a little bit too far in the other direction. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I know lately as well. The last year and a half, COVID has gone more more obviously admin-y with the with the with that. But you know, hopefully, maybe it'll change as well down the road when COVID is over. And I think all the courses are, are going like that. But they, you know, they have evolved a lot, and it's, it's you know, change is good in in, in many ways uh, as well as we know, Larry. Uh, you you've been over to the states. Um, we talked about it there, like you know, a little bit over and back over the years, and. How have you seen the coaching change over here? You, you've worked with a lot of coaches in the US. Um, how have you seen the standard of coaching improve over here uh, when, uh, and you're spending your times over here? Hey, I, I've, I've seen a lot of... Um, I see a lot of stuff. I, I, my experience of American coaching will be, will be fairly limited in terms of actually being there and seeing what guys are doing. I have a couple of, have a couple of good friends in Texas and, and in... Uh, in New Jersey that I, I will be familiar with, but for looking at it from a distance, you can, you can see the improvement, okay? The understanding of the game. When, when I first went over to visit my friends in America, I was meeting an awful lot of people who had a love for the game and a passion for the game, but yeah. really at that time, and again, I can only speak from my own experience, didn't really have a deep understanding of what was going on on the field in front of them. Now, I was I was back over visiting a friend of mine in in Texas, I think it was maybe four years ago, three years ago, and I, I would have to say all the coaches were hugely hugely knowledgeable. Yeah, really really good coaches, really really good understanding of the game, and really good at, at actually getting their message across to the players that that they were working with. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Um, Irish football, Larry, lots of changes over the last number of years, um, you know, where do you see the current game at home uh, with the League of Ireland, the women's national teams, uh, the Women's League of Ireland, and obviously the national setup? you know, where, 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 where do you see the current state of the game? I don't think, I don't think there's, there's any, to start with the National League, I, I just don't think there's any similarity between the game that I walked in in the National League when I first started working in the National League and the National League now. And I, and I think this is part of an international trend. Like the, the, the technical ability of the players that are working in the league now, I don't think it's ever been better. Now, you know, my dad would say in the glory days it was better, but that was before my time. But certainly in my time, since I've been watching National League, working in National League now, the this the technical standard is is so much improved. Like all the players are capable of settling on the ball, are you know doing well, being comfortable when the ball comes to them. They're capable. They're capable of of making moves that years and years ago you would never have seen. Moves with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten passes. Whereas when I first started in the national league. It was very much a battle of a battle of attrition. It was long balls. It was knockdowns. It was it was the fastest and the strongest players. And in all honesty, even at that at that time, there would have been players in the league for their physical ability in terms of tackling and heading, who would not have had what you might even call an adequate level of technical ability. But that's completely changed now, right? And and I, I think it's a lot to do with with global trends. I, I think it's a lot to do with role models 
that young fellas, the, the younger generation that are playing in the National League now have grown up on the Champions League, have grown up with, with seeing the ball on the deck, like, yeah, yeah. With, with the ball being kept on the deck. They've grown up with seeing players like Messi with, with, with fantastic individual dribbling skills. And I, I honestly think now, because of this, right, I, I think this is a great age for, for, for Irish football. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely changed a lot. I mean, you know, the national leagues and things. And where, how do you see this impacting football over the next uh, five to ten years? Where do you see it going? Where where do you see Irish football headed? Um, you know, with obviously the creation of the national leagues a couple of years ago. Um, do you see more players staying at home now to play League of Ireland with, with Brexit? Like how? Where do you see our international uh, football well, going? Well, I, well, I think I think the Brexit thing will will definitely guarantee that uh, our young players they, they can't go they can't go uh, to the right in. Now there was a there's a young guy just gone from Shamrock Rovers to Inter Milan. Yeah, right. I, I can't remember the young fellow's name, but he's only fifteen or he's fifteen or sixteen. So this might be the start because it, because of Brexit that all of a sudden, you know, because they can't go to England, that we're going to see more and more players going to the continent. And I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, me, me too. And I think a lot of people feel the, feel the same way. So, Larry, um, many, many years of, of coaching and, and, and on the women's and the men's game, if you could highlight some of your best memories or do you have a favourite memory from coaching? You know, we all have... You know, great memories, but you know, what's your favorite or best memory you could put to me? It's a hard question. It's not an easy question, but just straight off the top of my head, I would have to say being involved with European football in in, in what was what was I think it was called the Intertoto Cup at that stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't quote me on that one. It's it's changed so often. I think I think the the whole European experience was. Uh, was a great memory it was it was you know in, in terms of being a coach the time it was at I, you know I would have looked back and saying that we, we had just changed I was at Chamber Growers at the time that we had just changed to summer football and it was the I think that was the start of the, the uh, Irish teams starting to win again in Europe I think we'd gone through a period where where we hadn't won now, when I say we won, we, we won, we won two games, and, and then we were knocked out. But the, that whole European experience, I, I think, when we won in Poland, and then we beat the we 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 played Aldra in Poland, we won over there, and then we won at home. I, off the top of my head, I, I have to think that would be probably the best experience. Winning the FAI Cup, I was the first team coach at Bray Wanderers when we won the FAI Cup. I was the coach. I was the head coach at UCD when we won the women's FAI Cup. So I, I don't know. I've never seen that referred to in the history books. I don't know if I, I, I might be the one of the few coaches that have won the FAI Cup in the men's and the women's game here. But obviously that that would be a highlight, you know. Yeah, those are great great memories for sure. Um, so we talk about we talk about player pathways and, and everybody's on about, you know, obviously we have the national leagues back home in Ireland and then this gap from the 19s to the first team. Um, you know, obviously myself being in the US here and even the rest of the members of the North American Irish coaches, 
we always get asked about kids coming to the States. I'm a, I'm a college coach myself here in the US. Um, what is your thoughts on players, you know, pursuing the American college soccer life, training full time? Um, do you see a way, do you see a, do you see that as a, as a viable option for young players? I know there's a lot of talk of keeping players at home on the men's and the women's side, but what's your perspective of it, Larry, over the years? I'm sure you've been around players that have gone away, experienced yeah. it. Um, what, what's your thoughts on it all? Well, I, I, I'd have to say, and uh, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of the American college system in terms of the development of the players. I, I don't think, I don't know of many people over here realise the, the level of training and the level of dedication and the fact that the college players in America are full-time athletes. Yeah. I mean, they're training. I think when most fellas go over from here, they, they get a shock because of how high the standards are set for them, especially in terms of physical conditioning. But, you know, in, in terms of training and coaching as well, I would be a huge fan of, of young Irish fellas going to the States now, the problem is they like the state so much, most of them stay over there. But, you know, I honestly think that a couple of years in that environment really, really would be good for Irish players to come back and then try their hand at the National League again after those extra two years of development. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, like, that to come back. And, and I think that's the piece that's missing. We all... We all know of the players that are going to go and stay. Yeah, fair enough. But I think there's an, an, an opportunity there for kids to come home in the summer and play National League. Now yeah. there's summer football. Um, and yeah, it's, it's good that you mentioned that because I, I think a lot of people think that that could be a viable option. Um, but yeah, I, I mean... I have it, it, it's like everything in football, though. And like, this will come down to the individual. Right? Yeah. You know, whether, whether you can convince a young fella or a girl who's, who's really ambitious in terms of getting into the National League to, to go away and then come back, that, that might prove difficult. But, you know, full-time training can only benefit the players that go over there. I don't think people over here realise that that is the environment that our guys are going into when they go to America. Yeah, I don't... I, yeah, we, I mean, listen, watch, you know, be, having be, being over here and you know, having uh, I, I've tried to, I've tried to recruit young Irish lads as well this year. I, I think some of them don't they don't get it until uh, until they hear it from somewhere else or or uh, or they, they some of their mates experience it. So yeah, it's full time's full time. I mean, we start next Wednesday training, uh, you know, full time training every single day. Yeah, uh, I think the difference as well is, and, and you'll know if just from being over here coaching the the different nationalities that these kids get to play with and against. Uh, you know that you may not get to play with at home, so it's uh, it's it's obviously we, you know, uh, being in the US, we're always uh, interested in people's opinion back home of what what it, what what the perception is of the college game. So um, it's good to hear that it's kind of a, I think it'll become more of an option maybe. Yeah, like the the friends that I have in America, I I know, they are really really good coaches. Yeah, and I know that they're they're capable. Of developing players to a level that will prepare them to come back and compete at national league level. One of my, a good friend of mine is a guy called Butch Lawfer in Amarillo. Now it's a long time ago, but his team is uh, is uh, the A and M in Amarillo in Texas, the okay. West Texas A and M. 
he brought his team over a few years ago and Good we team. played national we played national league so i was with him i was helping him you know and and so on and so on we played national league teams and and the guys did well they got good results yeah. I, I think we drew i think we we drew now at the time they would have been reserve teams rather than the under 19s and that it was a good while ago but that convinced me that he would ask me to send players that convinced me that i would only ever send him a player who i thought would have been good enough to play in national league at level here anyway yeah no, or, or, or a guy who needed a couple of years but would eventually get up to that level. Yeah, and that's again West Texas AM. I think they're Division Two, same as me. Yeah, I mean, just, there's some serious level <clears throat> footballers, and you know, we're looking at it now. We're looking at uh, Trevor Malloy's son, Aaron Malloy. I mean, yeah. he's over here making a, a life as a professional player. Um, Richie Ryan, who's played in the National League, uh, Paddy Barrett was over here. You know, yeah. Aaron Malloy obviously went the college route. The other lads went straight to the pros. I mean, it's just there's definitely uh, there's definitely talent uh, on the coaching side and the playing side. And uh, uh, I'm glad to hear that you know the res- it gets the respect. I mean, and, that, and that's interesting that you know West Texas. I'm M- not sure my out. my opinion will be too widespread though, and that's the problem. <laughs> you know, but hey, listen, people, people, it's always good to just hear that. You know that they yeah. came to Ireland and I think did really well uh, against some good sides. You know I think that that's a uh, that's good to hear because we know we know for sure over here that teams can go and compete. So that's ah, good. It's good to hear that. Yeah, you I, I think the American colleges. Uh, I think we're catching up now, but in terms of physical preparation, in terms of of, uh, of strength and conditioning, we used to just call it fitness, end of but it's it's strength and conditioning now. <laughs> but in terms yeah. of in terms of, of power and strength, the American college players would have been way ahead of what was going on in the National League at that time. You know, the American guys would have been going through very, very sophisticated training programs, whereas our lads at that time were probably still running laps, to be honest. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, we've, caught, we, we've, now, we've improved beyond all recognition over here, but we were behind. Yeah, right? yeah. But that whole structure in terms of strength and conditioning and all, any young player who goes over can only benefit from that. If they, once, once they land, once they land in America, I think that's guaranteed. Right, I think they have to be lucky. Then they have to land with that with that in place and with a good coach as well. Yeah, yeah, no, for, one, for sure. One, once they can get both sides, if they can get both sides of the the technical side and the physical side from America, they they're going to be players if they have the ability initially. No, no doubt. Um, one or two more questions, Larry, and we'll jump in towards your, we'll talk about your book. Um, so. Uh, a big hot topic, and I'm sure you've seen it over the years, especially in a country like Ireland. You know, people are trying to get kids to specify sport at an early age. What's What's your thoughts on on that? Like, you know, do do you, do you advise players to keep playing, you know, the two and three sports until they're a certain age? Um, or what's your thoughts? I mean, are you well? Just, I, <laughs> putting you I'd on the spot, there. I'd have a very old-fashioned view on this. Ah, go on. And, uh, Right, you know, when I grew up, you were one or the other. <laughs> you were either a footballer or, or you're a guy, man. And we didn't really meet many rugby lads at that time, but yeah. you were one or the other. Now, 
we I'm, I'm sure you've heard the name Isfan Valley who who developed along the long-term uh, athlete development model you know yeah. we had him over and believe it or not I had this argument with him of course he was he was advocating multi-sports and all that and I was saying well why can't we develop all these movement skills in 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 the football clubs you know and I know you you, you would know the theory of this that they should have you know, a throwing game or a catching game or whatever. But I, I, I don't see why football clubs and football coaches can't develop these movement skills within the football, within the framework of the, of their own coaching, of their own training at that club. Right? You know, the movement skills that are really, really important. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, I- I get it. I would have been in FAI coaching and education terms. I would have uh, went down as the guy who argued with Isfan Bali. <laughs> I'm sure hey, he doesn't remember it, but anyway, <laughs> I'm sure he's sitting on a podcast here somewhere talking about Euro. Yeah. The world. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you look, everyone's a product of their of their own environment, and yeah, of course, like I said, I grew up believing that we we had to hold our own, and we had to fight against. Well, not fight against, but you know, we had we had to get our lads in before the GAA got them and stuff like that. You know, how but, do you are you do you still think the same today, or do you like like a young lad in Galway or Dublin that's at nine and ten is playing hurling and football? No, and do you, do you still think certainly that? not at that age? You wouldn't interfere because yeah. uh, this whole thing, the way that things are developed and all this stuff, and it's absolutely unbelievable that you hear people talking about elite academies for eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds nonsense I, I i think i think you know just over the last couple of years the true podcasts and stuff like that and you know and through coaching courses a lot of people that have a little bit of common sense have realized that there is no such thing as elite kids right the most important thing for the kids is that they're happy in what they're doing so i would never say to a child that you can't play a different sport, right? I, I would never say don't. You, you can't go to the GAA or you can't go to the rugby or you can't go to the swimming, right? But you you would have to try and make sure again, depending on the level that you're working with. Of course, you know, if if you're working at a, a club at a decent level, well then I, I think it's realistic to demand that your kids turn up a certain amount of times a week of and that you know. If there's a clash that they take your that they, they, that they would put the football a, ahead of what else they're doing, but again, that would be hugely hugely dependent on the level on the level that you're working at. Absolutely, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, so, we, League of Ireland, I'd, I'd be a big big fan of it. Um, I've I've loved seeing the teams progress in Europe over the last couple of years. Some big wins lately for Bowes and and and. Uh, Hopefully, my my own dear beloved Go United will will eventually uh, get back yeah. to the Premier Division. But what um, I thought you were going to say, get back into Europe, then. <laughs> ah, easy, Larry. <laughs> let's let's take it one step at a one time. One step at a time. One step at a time. I, I'm a realistic Galwegian, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So we actually of- believe it or not, I, I did um, I did a course, a, a, a nine month course, right. with Foss in in Galway as well. Yeah, no, I think we talked about that before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of talk, Larry, about what's next for the League of Ireland. Like, you know, the the is it an All Ireland League? Um, 
you know, where there's no doubt our league's heading in a really, really good direction. Um, you know, Sligar Rovers doing really well, and obviously we want to see Cork City back doing well, and and these teams will come back. And you might want to see Cork City back uh, doing well. Of course. <laughs> Take, take, take your. Take I have your... to be honest and say the the reason I say that is with all the clubs I was ever with, I never won in Cork once. All right, never yeah. ever once did I win in Cork. Great football town as well. So yeah, of course, yeah. What's so the All Ireland League? Is that what's next for our 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 football at home? Is that is that where do you think that uh, stands? I, and, and what do you think? I, unless unless there's something akin to the way the Premier League was developed, you know, in, in terms of big money being put in by someone to organise that. I could not see that happen. And, and the reason I can't see it happen is because of the political side of it. I just cannot see the, the, the administrators agreeing to that. I, I just really? cannot see that happen. It's it's the old one that you, you've you've heard you've heard it said a million times about about administrators. Turkeys don't vote for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> these you, you know what what would be needed would be these administrators really devote themselves out of power. Yeah, and and I just I just can't see that happening. Yeah, I think we'd all love to see, you know, Crusaders versus Sligar Overs or yeah. O's versus Linfield and. You know, I think it would just add such value to the to the football on the island. But yeah, I mean, uh, do you see the value in it if it was? Oh to yeah, let's say oh, we get it, past it. Would it, be, yeah. it would be fantastic. Now, yeah. it, it, the only the only thing I would say about that though, and uh, is uh, running a, a national league club is really really expensive. It is, <laughs> and one I, I never hear this said, but. The main thing that holds back the National League is, is the amount of people that are coming through the gates. <laughs> the lack of finance, right? would, I think the All-Ireland League would put even more financial pressure on the clubs. Right? It would be, I don't know whether we, you would get the crowds. You would need to, I think, honestly think you would need to get the crowds in for that league to be successful, for that league to be viable. Yeah. Would it... Do you think they'll ever try to start it with uh, the younger teams? Maybe first, maybe cross, you know, cross games like under 15s playing each other. Just to, uh, you think that would be viable, you know, or, or a, a good option for for who football knows? Andy? Who, who knows what football administrators would do? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you and I think, I, that should be matter. The most common sense <laughs> and the most obvious thing to do. Yeah. I, I'm not sure the football administrators that I've come across would think the same way yeah i think our opinion should matter larry <laughs> yeah but look this is an this is an ancient yeah. complaint like you I know, know the you know the, the quality of administration and we know and again this could be a great time because we know the quality we know all about how it's been exposed how really really poor the quality of administration football has had yeah. over the last few years now there's hope because there are, there's change coming in, but you know I, I don't know how far that can go. Yeah, as as Irish fans and we're we're always optimistic and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is great to see our game change and a lot of things happening. So you know it's good good to get a man that's feet are on the ground opinion as well on, on all of this because I think uh, you know uh, we 
all the expats over here, all we do is, you know, we're talking optimism, you know. Yeah. You know, what happens well, on the and, field and uh, like every everything on the field is 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 really really improved. You know, like, oh yeah, brilliant. A blind man can a blind man can see that. Right? Yeah. But we we have a situation where some clubs have money. We, well, we've always had this situation. The Lyser Rovers have been backed with serious money with full time training. You know how will how will the other clubs catch up? Yeah. <laughs> you know it, it. At the end of the day, professional football is all about money. In most countries. It's very, very unusual. It happens every now and again. But the clubs with most money win the leagues. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it, this is the reality of professional football. And we, we certainly have, you know, uh, uh, developed over the last few years, we certainly have a two-tier system here now yeah. in terms of how clubs are, are going about it. You know, how can the clubs who are not financially doing as well, they must be commended in terms of the way that they can compete with with clubs who are who are training full time guys that are training two or three times a week are competing against guys who are full time and to, for the most part they're holding their own yeah true uh larry let's get to the book um let the players play tell us why you wrote the book what was the premise behind the book what what's and, and what, how has it been received yeah, well, it's, it's, I'm sure there's a million people saying the same thing to that question. And it, it was a lockdown book. Yeah. I, 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 I disciplined myself to sit down for four hours every day and put it together. Now, when I say put it together, it was really a matter of putting all, loads of stuff that I had done before because somehow that job, when, when I was working for the FAI, somehow that job had fallen into my lap in terms of writing up handouts you know, do, doing doing the uh, doing the curriculum for the courses and stuff like that. So, so I was always tipping away at writing something like that. So, it was it was a matter of sitting down, putting all my thoughts together, and starting to starting to learn how to work a computer properly. In all honesty, you know, how to type properly and and that. Okay. So when I thought of what I was going to do, uh, this idea had sort of been fermenting it for a while in my mind. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work with grassroots football. For over the last few years with, with young kids and I've been looking at the way things have been developed the way things have been developing in football and one of the things that struck me right was how knowledgeable people are now because of the internet right? yeah. so all of a sudden people are talking about the half spaces and they're talking about the low press and they're talking about the high yeah. press and they're talking about a retreat and defense and they're talking about counterattack. And these were only terms that were used by, at one time, they would have been only terms that would have been used by professional coaches, right? Now, all of a sudden, everyone has information, right? And this is a fantastic thing. But I do see a negative side to that because all over, everywhere I see it, I see grassroots coaches who are looking at all this stuff on the internet. They're looking at Manchester City training sessions. They're looking at Pep Guardiola coaching this, that, and the other. And they're coming down to their under 11B team and they're trying to do the exact same thing. Right? And I'm not imagining this because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be condemning the internet because I see it as a fantastic resource. So I'm looking at all of these resources and I'm looking at them and I'm seeing questions come up on these coaches forums, grassroots forums, 
uh, anyone got any exercises for counterattacking for my under eight teams? Right? <laughs> and like it, it's just these guys just have lost lost any grasp of reality in terms of what they can achieve with these players. Right. Yeah. So what what I wanted to do was to write something that the, a grassroots coach who was only starting off could use with players who are only starting off. Mm. Right. So that was in common. So that, that was one of the, one of the, the, the ways that I came at it. Now, the other thing I did or the other way that I looked at it was when I worked on, on the coaching courses, um, we examined at the end of the coaching courses when, when guys were doing their coaching practices as well. It, I'm sure everyone who's been on a coaching course can, can relate to this. The thing that coaches always found the most difficult was actually coaching in the game. Right. Coaches, a lot of coaches are good at drills and might be good at functional practices and stuff like that. But I always found, and it was always my experience, that coach actually coaching in games was the, the hardest thing for, for, for beginner coaches. So the book is a guide to coaching for grassroots coaches to actually learn to coach in the games. Yeah, for sure. Larry, so uh, the book's been well received. How's it been received it's, over it, in Ireland? It's been great. Now I know these are small numbers in in the in the uh, in the big scheme of things, but it, I've sold over five hundred copies of the book now. I'm absolutely delighted with that. It, it's it's uh, it's far exceeded what I thought it would do, and and it's been really really well received. And the the second book hopefully is on the way. And I find it a little bit harder in the summer to sit down and. Do those four hours, but um, I'm hoping to do a follow up to it now. That's it's great, good, good stuff. I mean, lots of good things have come out of lockdown for sure. Yeah, I yeah, mean, obviously, yeah. the but Larry, last question for me. A lot of coaches on here listen to this. You know, I'm a coach. You know, a lot of the members on our, our board of directors over here are involved in coaching at some level. Um, what advice would you give to uh, young coaches? Uh, or any coach that's that's starting out that's looking to progress themselves in their in the career, like what are some of the things that you, you know, are glad you did over the years as a coach, or didn't do? And it's probably the, yeah, it's probably the opposite end of what I didn't do, and I know now. Well, look, here's the thing. First of all, in terms in terms of working on the field first. And then moving on to doing the coaching course and stuff. I think, and again, this is a huge message in the book. This, this is really, really the core of what I'm trying to get across. For me, we've just talked about coaches overcomplicating things and you know moving beyond what the players are capable of doing. I think for, for beginner coaches, for coaches of youth players, they must realize that the job of the youth coach is to simplify the game for the players, right? It's not to complicate the game for the players, but it's to simplify it. So the coaches who are working with young players, right, must be able to see that themselves first before they can teach that to the players. So they must be able to get to the core of what's needed, right? And I honestly think, again, I, of course, I'm going to keep coming back to the, to the book here. I, I think coaches need to realize that most learning is done in the game 
And I know it's become a bit of a cliche that the game is a great teacher, but I always recount uh, that false course uh, and I, my experience as a coach with that false course, with the, the one, again, we spoke about earlier that Roy Keane was on. When Morris Price was the, was, was the head coach there, I was the assistant coach, we would go in every morning, right? And we would sit down and we would have a coaches meeting and we would rack our brains in terms of trying to find five or six activities that we would do to fill in the day for these players, right? Eventually, though, we realized that when we played more, the days that we went in and or the weeks that we went in and played more, the players learned more, right? So the vast majority of the time then was dedicated to... So instead of doing four maybe pattern plays or four drills or whatever, and then play a match at the end, we reversed that in the end, that we will probably do only one, maybe two drills at the start, and then we will spend the rest of the day playing games. Different games. Now, we're not talking about 11 aside all the time. So I, I, think, I think coaches need to realise that, that they must simplify it, right? And they must spend more time playing. But our players must spend more time playing. And then obviously they need the skills then to do that. In terms of their coach education, this is what a, this is a message that we've always tried to get across. But unfortunately, the problem with young people is what they need the most is what they what they have the least of, right? And I'm talking about patience, right? You've got to be patient when you're going through the coaching ladder. And I know, and I know it, I know this is the situation because this is the way I was. I wanted to be the youngest guy in Ireland to get his A license. Right? And I know every young fellow who's going into the coaching courses at a young age are doing the same. This is my advice in terms of coaching courses. When you're starting off, go back and start with your under eights, with an under eight team, because that's what the first coaching course deals with. So your coaching course, whatever coaching course you're doing should line up with the work that you're doing on the field with the players. Because, you know, I worked on the A license. I instructed on the A licenses. We, we, I got all the way up to doing that. But I can remember we actually had guys on the A license course who were coaching under nine teams. So what they were doing on the course had absolutely no bearing on the stuff that they were going to do with their kids because it was obviously way above their heads. So what I would say to the beginner coach, when you do your first coaching course, go with your under eight team and your under eight and under nine seasons, work with them. If you do a, a, a lot of good quality work and the players progress well, well then you go on your next coaching course to prepare you for the next two years with those players. And yeah. so on and so on. So by the time, so let's say you do your youth license when, when your players are between 10 and 12, which is the relative material on that course, if you do all the stuff well and, and the players progress well, right, by the time they they come to under 14, well, then, then you're ready to do B license stuff with them and they're ready to, to do B license stuff and so on and so on. So go up the ladder slowly and go up the coaching ladder with your players. Uh, you know, and to me, that makes that, that just makes common sense. Now, again, like I said, <laughs> common sense was something that I didn't have when I was young. And I know 
I know the vast majority of young coaches want to do that. But I would just say patience, patience, patience. What do they say? Common sense is not so common sometimes. Yeah, common sense is not common practice. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good, good to hear about, you know, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in different countries as well. Myself in the last couple of years, Japan and uh, bits of South America and Central America. The kids are just playing. <clears throat> like there's no, like you said, trying to replicate Pep Guardiola at U10 and 11. I mean, these kids like uh, are just playing and playing and playing and playing. And, yeah. uh, and, and and one thing I would say, and uh, and I, I, again, I don't want to be the, the, the Irish man or the European criticizing the Americans, but that was that was a thing that I I saw or in America before it sort of happened here, because the American guys love information, <laughs> you know, and and every American guy has gone on a coaching course where where. Jose Mourinho has presented and every American guy has gone on another coaching course where Alex Ferguson spoke and they love the information. And, and I think when I spoke to American coaches, that was what I was trying to say to them, that again, don't be complicating things. Realize what is at the core of, of, of your players learning, what needs to be at the core of your players learning and work to simplify the game for the players. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Larry, that was brilliant. I know, I know uh, we got this in before your, your holidays coming up tomorrow. Uh, yeah, big holiday. Tell, tell us where you're off to. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm off the Kappa Hospital tomorrow and to get two new hips. <laughs> well, oh, please, God, uh, you'll be up bouncing around and maybe maybe we'll get you over to the States at some point in the next... Well, uh, me, me, like, I'm only... Uh, I'm very young to be getting my hips done, and so my aim is to be in the Bray Wanderers first team by Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lofty aim, but I think you could achieve it. <laughs> well, could, we, could we, I just ask, could I just give you a, a, a little point? Could I just get a little plug in again for the book? Yeah, yeah, fine. Because uh, the, uh, the, the web, the, the address for the website is a little bit different than the book. Yep. The address, the, the name of the book is Let the Players Play. But the website is bigpicturecoachingireland.com. Okay. And we'll, we'll try to copy you on there and, and, and tag you in, in all, the, all the social media and stuff. And, and, appreciate uh, that. I appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah, no, we, we'll, uh, I'll have to get a copy of, uh, of the book myself and, and, and read it here uh, on some of these long away trips we've got coming up. But we wish you nothing but the best, Larry, tomorrow. I know you'll be flying it here soon. And, and please, God, we'll, we'll might see you uh, in, in the Thanks, US. Andy at some point so larry all the best and thank watch, you for joining watch us. out watch watch out for the bray wanderers team sheet <laughs> do bray wanderers know about this <laughs> no 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 <laughs> some man all right larry all right. listen all the best appreciate you coming on thanks very much and cheers man bye-bye